welcome to the Talking to Ourselves podcast. I'm Omid Farhang, founder of Majority. And welcome to a new format for 2023, where I'm handing over hosting duties to some of my favorite folks in the industry. To kick us off, our first guest host, Chris Beresford-Hill, North American President and Chief Creative Officer at Ogilvy. Chris has been on the Adweek Creative 100, Business Insider's Most Creative People in Advertising, at age 40 under 40. He's worked at many of our industry's most iconic agencies and done award-winning work at all of them, including at Goodby Silverstein and Partners, where he first met today's guest, the legend, Jeff Goodby. Since its inception in the early 80s, Goodby Silverstein has won Agency of the Year multiple times by multiple publications. The Museum of Modern Art has placed several of their ads into permanent rotation, including Got Milk and the Budweiser Lizards. In 2006, Jeff was inducted into the Advertising Hall of Fame. In 2010, Adweek named Jeff and partner Rich Silverstein executives of the decade. In 2019, Jeff and Rich received Cannes highest honor, the Lion of St. Mark. In 2020, Jeff and Rich taught advertising for the acclaimed content series Masterclass. Friends, please enjoy Chris Beresford Hill and Jeff Goodby talking to themselves. You look like you're in the office, dude. You Every are. day, five days a week. Do you do five days a week? Good. Yeah, I, uh, um, I, someone once told me at the end of the pandemic that we weren't working from home, we were living at work. Yeah. And that really, um, I, I just, even if I come in on a certain day and it's just back-to-back Zoom calls, uh, now I go home and it's home, so I'll, I'll come in for anything. I go in three days a week. I, you know, I kind of, I kind of got used to some of the routine of being home just so that I could work out and draw and things that I do between meetings. Because, you know, you know how it works. Like, you, you have an hour, you can go do something, you know. Like, if you're at work. True. If you're at work, you just go down and talk to Chris about football and waste an hour, you know. Um, I know you but sometimes that. you talk about work. It's true. Well, uh, but, it, well, it's, but it, home is good. And all of a sudden you can get packages delivered and stuff, you know, things you could never do when you worked, uh, you know. Well, I'll tell you, that being at the office is really good for younger people in particular. They really need to see people like you and go like, you know, I could be that guy someday. And how do I get there? Listen to you talk and stuff, you know, it's really important, I think. Um, that's the most important thing about being at the office. Well, we'll get to that, actually, because I wanted to ask, uh, I'll ask because I do think um, you you made yourself very available for, for the people at the company, which, you know, made a, made a, made a very big impact on me. Um, so I'll do a, a quick little intro and then we can get into yeah. it. Uh, this is Chris. I was fortunate enough to be hired by Jeff in 2005. Uh, and I spent a couple of years of my career in San Francisco, which really opened up my creative mind and spirit. And the experience at Goodby Silverstein and Partners for me was the, the chance to, to get to work around uh, Jeff Rich, Jamie Barrett, Steve Simpson, and a ton of really talented people. Uh, and for me, it was an awakening and a glimpse into what was possible. And in the time since working there, uh, uh, I believe that everything is possible. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this conversation quite a bit because every time I get to the chat with you, Jeff, uh, I find a little contact high and it gives me uh, an extra creative boost for a while. And, and so I, I hope 
we get the conversation to a useful enough place where some people listening in get get a little bit of that same experience. Um, so well, good, thanks, man. I feel the same about you. It's true. Uh, the, well, yeah. uh, I'm very very kind, and I'll I'll store that somewhere for a rainy day because that uh, obviously <laughs> it means a lot. Um, but I'll, I'll start the conversation where Omid uh, usually starts with his guests, which is Jeff Goodby. Where are you from, and what did your parents do? Wow. I am from Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, I lived in three different places in Rhode Island growing up, but uh, I was born in Providence. And, and um, my parents are both the opposite of each other. My mother um, is an Italian immigrant. She was born in northern Italy. She came to the U.S. as a little girl and um, lived in Philadelphia. Moved in and, and, and um, was an art student at Temple and became a painter throughout her life. She raised three kids while she did so, but she competed and entered um, art contests and stuff and painted at the Providence Art Club her whole life. She's still alive. By the way, both of my parents are still alive. They're 95, and wow. it's hard to believe <laughs> considering how old I am. Um, my dad was kind of the opposite. He worked as an insurance executive his whole life in a place in Providence. Um, it was, you know, the quintessential gray kind of uh, insurance company where you wore a gray suit to work, you wore a fedora, um, you came into work every day. Um, but there was something very interesting about him too. This, my mother's side obviously brought a lot of art art thinking and, and certainly craft to, to me. But my dad had a had a wonder has a wonderful personality and a wonderful sense of humor about things that I think really affected me. Um, and uh, I noticed that at work, and I'm not very good at this, but he would know everybody in the company. Like when I went to work with him, he would he would be talking to people you know, the elevator operator or the janitor or, you know, the guy that ran the computer room because they had computer rooms in those days. Um, he, he would talk to them and they would, that was something falling over here, that they would, they would, <laughs> I just kicked over a big, oh, it's a lemon juicer. Um, well, it's a tired dog. Yeah, we can cut that up. He would yeah. talk to these guys and he would know all about their lives. And, um, you know, it would be like, hey, is your son playing football this year? And, you know, I heard you had a grandkid and stuff like that. And it was um, really moving to me to go to work with him and see that happen, you know. Um, and I'm, I can't even remember people's names, as you know, but I'm a lot better at it than Silverstein is. Um, and <laughs> I'm sure Silverstein has no idea who you are. Nope. And, um, <laughs> uh, but it really made an impression on me, and it's made me always try to take an interest in people's lives, but also to listen to them, you know? I mean, whether I know their name or not, whether I know anything about their life, it doesn't mean I can't listen to them, and I try to do that. So, you know, coming off of that, because um, I, I did want to get into the, to the, um, to the concept of culture, uh, especially... Mm-hmm coming off of your experience seeing the way your father was at work and how that impacted you you know when i had the fortune of working uh at your agency in 2005 six 
it was before everyone was writing about and talking about the importance of of, uh, of cultures uh, in the way they are today. But you and Rich were very much fostering one. There was a lot of kindness in the walls, uh, and, and there was a lot of approachability and and a real personal nature to the to the business being conducted. Like, was that conscious stuff? I think it was, in so far as at least I, Rich is sort of more fearless than I am. I think a lot about um, how how much how much fear there is in doing what we do. You know that Cal Riney one one day said to me, "You know what my biggest fear is," and this is Hal Riney, you know, big, very successful creative guy, said, "I have a fear that I'll never have another good idea." And uh, and I said, "Wow, if he's afraid of not having another good idea, you know, this is really endemic." <laughs> everybody's afraid of it and uh because he has lots of good ideas and um and so i i I realized that that if you're in this business you know it's a business of failure as i've said many times and you have to have the the courage to get up off the floor and like do it again not be afraid of failing you know coming up with something new trying it out on people because you know you, you tell an idea to your your wife and she rejects it then you go to work and you try it out on your partner and she rejects it. And then you try it out on your creative director and he rejects it. And then the client rejects it. And then the director doesn't like it. And then the client doesn't like it again when it's done. And then you test it and people don't like it. You have to be able to handle all of that. It's not easy, you know? And it's, if you're in this business for any length of time, every single one of those chapters has happened to you. And so you really have to, you really have to have some way of getting back. So that's what culture does. Culture, I think, gives you the courage to get back up from those things. You know, that the people around you help you do it. The people around you aren't going to, aren't going to mock you. They're going to support you, you know? And, um, and I think that just came from my own fear of, of that. And I, I, I wanted to make it possible for other people to not be afraid, you know? I think that's a big part of it, Chris. Well, it's a huge gift you could give. It's it's one of the greatest things you could give someone you work with or someone that works on your team is to give them that sense that they can swing for it. And, you know, really the, the swing is all that matters. I mean, I think that was probably one of Dan Wyden's best uh, quotes that will, you know, live on forever uh, with, you know, the, the notion of failing harder. I've seen yeah. you in action and, you know, I bet, I bet you've been in a million client briefings and you know the... The timeline is going to be an issue and the pressure from the client is always going to be an issue and resourcing will always be an issue. But I was always struck by your calm. Uh, and and I, I thought from my vantage that you didn't, it didn't feel like you took it that seriously, that there was always a bit of joy and play in it. Is that, is that the case with when you take on a, your next project every time? Man, I think it's a big part of the secret is to find joy in, in humor in it you know you have to be you have to be careful not to have too much humor because there are people that take this really seriously <laughs> and, and you you know if you're not and you're in the room and you kind of evince a little bit of that sense of humor um it, it can piss people off but generally i think being calm is is the way that it's the it's the best way to approach it and i have no way i have no problem with people that get really passionate about things because i do too but i I try to, I try to like, you know, I, I, I said to one of my creative people recently, um, calm down, 
Actually, I said, calm the fuck down and get what you want, you know? And that, I think, is the T-shirt that I go through life with. <laughs> it's like, don't get excited, get what you want. Or I think um, I think John Kennedy put it a little bit more a little bit more succinctly and a little bit more uh, chillingly when he said, because um, um, he, he was he was he was very much dealing with with this kind of world all the time. Um, he he said, uh, let, me, let me get this right. Um, wait, hold on. <clears throat> I'm too old and I've forgotten. I've forgotten the gist, the the, the exact wording of. Oh, this is it. So John F. Kennedy said. Don't get mad, get even. <laughs> I thought that was that was a chilling way to put. Stay calm and get what you want. <laughs> you know. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a little bit of an aside, but maybe your your energy very much is 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 kind of the opposite of this. But there is a bit of fetishization in our industry of the fight and of the struggle, and and I always I was never drawn to people that were, were, you know, constantly talking about fighting for this and that. I thought a uh, sense of calm, it was always better to, it was better to be like the fantastic Mr. Fox and just burrow under the ground and pop up with, with, you know, on the other side with the idea that you wanted. And, and, uh, and I, I think, um, I think we're probably in a time where I, I think the, the sense of calm and, and confidence that, that we're going to have an idea and that everything's going to be okay is, rarer than it is common, which is kind of troubling. I think there's a lot of, a lot of, um, right now there's a lot of stress in the, in the world. There's a lot of stress in the industry. The industry doesn't know where it's going next. You don't know what a good idea is. You always feel, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been doing this, you always feel like you're really not up to date. You know, you're not with it. And uh, and you got to work hard to do that, no matter no matter where you are. Um, and you know these things. I think they, they are um, they're these the, your demeanor helps you get through that kind of that kind of thicket. I like I like the fantastic Mister Fox thing. I also I'm not afraid to hire people that are crazy and passionate because I'd almost rather have them around and kind of reel them back in with my calmness than to have a bunch of calm people around me, you know? I mean, I, I, I want, I want to sort of be, be the, uh, I want to be the, the train track that they ride on, <laughs> but, um, but I'm not afraid of them going fast, you know? Um, well, it's a good, um, complimentary energies, you know, a maniac yeah. should probably, hire, probably should hire some calm people, you know, cause yeah. I think we've well, seen when it goes too much on one way or the other. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, and I think about people like you who are basically pretty calm, but you know, you have a, a sort of weird brilliance about you that you know that that you display when it's appropriate to display it, you know, and that's that's kind of I think that's where I am in, in the, at the, at my best is, you know, I, I try to I try to be thoughtful, think things out, and, and talk when it's worth talking, you know, um, and I don't think everybody does in this business for sure. It's people, people talk a lot. And as I say, I'd rather, I'd rather have a crazy person that I have to reel in than a boring person that I have to kick in the ass and go, dude, come on. That's, it's not good yep. enough yet. You know, that is not good enough yet. 
is never as much fun as this is just too crazy. They'll never buy it. That's more fun. Come on. <laughs> it is. <laughs> now, when I was starting out, it was the creative department was was for sure full of the misfits and, and hiring uh, crazy was was it was was common that was like that's what you did you need these you need these artistic types and i still think i need some of those but today the the pressure from the clients and the timelines and the the amount of meetings you know you've got to get it right within the second meeting these days there's there's a lot less uh a lot less leeway you know does do you feel like the industry is is uh gun shy on on bringing in the crazies or you know i think people are so impatient about getting things well two things i don't think the people in the business are as smart as they used to be and i'm i say that on both sides like i I think that i think that people have been getting siphoned out of our business that used to really used to really be sharp and would really lead it and I don't think as many of them are, are coming into the business now, frankly. And that's my own read on it. And I, and I think of that on the client side and on our side. And so you have to constantly be on the lookout for people that are that good. You know, it's not easy. It's, it's harder to find them now, I think. And then when they get in the middle of this life, as you say, they get like two swings at the tree. And if it, the tree doesn't fall over, you know, it's a big failure. And not only that, the tree has to fall over perfectly and not hit the house, and it has to test well, and so on. <laughs> and uh, it's it's not easy. So, in a sense, if you don't have great people, they can't nail it in two meetings. You know, I mean, and and, and thus there is a lot of um, there is a lot of mediocrity that goes through on account of that. You, you end up with mediocre people that don't want to work in this business because it's too hard and it's too fast. And then even the smartest people don't necessarily get the best idea in two meetings. You know, I think um, an illustrator, famous famous illustrator once said to me, I never really get to do my best work. I only get to do my best work by next Tuesday. And, you know, that's certainly endemic now. You know, we are on deadlines. We are pressured. We are pressured to not be brilliant sometimes. I mean, that's always been the case in this business. Pressure, there's a pressure not to be brilliant. And, you know, you have to keep coming back with the brilliant thing. You know, you, and there has to be something that makes you do that year after year. Um, or else you do lose interest, you know. I mean, I bet you and I come to work with more enthusiasm to find something brilliant than vast majority of people in this business every day. And you have to have that. You know, it's a, it's a kind of, it's a kind of, machine that you've got to have inside you there's a great book that um rick rubin the music producer wrote i don't know if you read this it's called the creative act and it's a it's a little zenny and long and so on but it definitely says what we're talking about here which is you know you can always be creative i put it this way um creativity is a is a state of of alertness and um like acceptance of the world that anything can be creative that anything around you can be used in the future so you have to be incredibly alert to all of the the things going on in your life and all the things that are coming at you it's an appreciation it's an exercise in appreciation okay because in the end that's all raw material that you can smush together and make into something brilliant 
because it comes from outside you, not inside you. And this is Ruben's point, which I think is a great point. <clears throat> he says, ideas don't come from inside you. It's easy to think that they do, but they actually come from outside you. He says, did you ever have an idea and you didn't act on it right away? You know, say it's an idea for a commercial or, you know, a painting or something. You didn't act on it right away. And then six months later, some guy in London does it. You never mm -hmm. talked to him in your life. You've never met him. So he said, ideas are kind of like a wind that blows through us. And if you are alert and appreciative, you will get the idea and you will act on it. And if you're not alert, if you're not looking for it, if you're not receptive, you're not going to get it, you know? And I think that's really an interesting way to feel. And it takes some of the pressure off you in a weird way. Like all you have to do is just be, you know, a good receptor. I would, I'd say furthermore, I think uh, I think I have a, a pretty utilitarian view on life in a, in a kind of a screwy way where uh, I think the 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 you know one hour subway delay or the torn muscle or every one of these things you're just like well I'm, I I will go through this and I will get something out of this I will you yeah know, I will, that's that's I, a great way to be yeah the know? subway delay is perfect. I heard. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever listened to Lex Friedman's interviews, but he's got a great podcast. And one of the one of the words that he used to describe himself one day was, "I am unborable. I can never be bored." You know, and that's that's the, make use of the subway delay. You know, to be that way. I think that's well, a great way to be. Well, I feel like I mean it is the. I mean, they call comedy the angry art. I mean, I think you. Uh, the 30 second subway delay, right? It triggers all kinds of feelings about the people around you. And it's, it's, it's all there. I think set, setbacks and problems and boredom and all that stuff are kind of the, the greatest stimuli. If you, if I'm watching a great art film or something, I'm just engrossed in that. If, if, if something bad happens to me during the day, there's a much greater likelihood that that is going to show up in something I do versus some beautiful art that I've consumed. You know? <laughs> well, I think you do got to do both. And if you do both at the same time, you get humor, <laughs> I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> get beauty and anger. <laughs> um, um, yeah. No, I think that's so true. And being being ready for it when it when it hits you, and to and to make you know to make felicitous use of those times is really really a good thing. Because making connections between things when you're on the subway, everybody around you is acting in angry, and you suddenly say to yourself. You know, this whole group of really angry people in its own way is kind of funny, you know? I, I mean, I, I could use it <laughs> in, in, in another setting. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I, one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask you about a little bit was um, uh, rebellion. And we've talked about the calm, but, but there's also a, a bit of a rebellious streak through the way you – the way you uh, – um, the, the way you work creatively, uh, the, the two kind of prompts I'll give you is when I uh, first became a CCO, I asked you for some advice and you told me to do things that feel vaguely naughty as, as, uh, as, as the key bit of advice. And then I remember you gave a great talk. Uh, I think it was either for ad week or, or during advertising week, but it was about the concept of creative vandalism. Uh, so there is this mischievous side around how you approach the work um, where where did that come from, and is it still burning as much as it as it uh, has in the past? 
Oh man, it came from a lot of things. It certainly came from real vandalism when I was a kid. Um, but, but, you know, pretty harmless kind of vandalism, which, but we kind of liked it. And I, I was, I always liked like smashing pumpkins or, you know, waxing somebody's windows and stuff when we were young because it, it was, it was really fun to do. Um, if you got caught, you didn't get in that much trouble. Um, and, uh, but you always thought you would, you always thought you'd like go to prison for it. And, um, and the next day you could see it when you walked to school, which I thought was cool. That's kind of how good advertising works <laughs> is you do something kind of vaguely naughty where you push the envelope and you do something that this client could never think of doing has never, never occurred to him or her. But when you tell them about it, they go, could we do that? I guess. And, and somehow you get them involved in the, in the vandalism and then you make like a little gang and you go out and you smash some pumpkins and then suddenly it's out in the world and you have that feeling of excitement. Like, wait till the, wait till the world sees this tomorrow. Wait till, wait, till these, wait till we walk to school tomorrow and see this shit out in the world. It's going to be awesome. I think that's really a good way to approach advertising. And, you know, you can call that rebellion, but I think that it's, it's more like just, you know, pushing the envelope of what's possible for business and for sanity and for the client that you have, you know, like try to push that, try to try to push it until they go, no, that's too much and see what happens. Cause I think if you do that in a, in a way that's like involving, it's like, do this with us, do this with us. You know, it's, we're not, we're not, we're not the, um, we're not doing this by ourselves. We're not this, the, the, the evil geniuses. We're going to do this with you. You're going to get in there and you're going to throw some pumpkins yourself and, and you're going to enjoy this. And when that happens, it's really a good feeling. You know, um, and, and, and the naughtiness of it. Yeah. I'm glad that I said that to you. Um, which reminds me of another key thing. I think when you're, when you're a boss, when you're whatever, whatever, I am and you are, I think at some point you learn that you learn two things. One is you learn to tell people the truth somehow, because when you first get become a creative director, you're like, dude, Chris, this is awesome. Thanks. And then you go home that night and go, it wasn't really that awesome. How am I going to get him to make it better? You know, I mean, you just, you want everybody to like you as a creative director. So you say yes to all kinds of stuff that you shouldn't. So the real art of it is to learn to say, it's not there yet in a nice way that, that you don't lose them and they're happy. And one day I realized that it was the difference between like serving somebody else, which is what you do when you're a younger creative to serving the creative people around you. You actually serve people when you're a creative director. If you're good, you're serving them in their careers, you know, and the most successful ones are always cognizant of that, you know, and, and no matter how egotistical they are, they realize that in order to get there, in order to get the fame and fortune that they want, they're going to have to get it out of those other people. And that at some level, you're going to have to care about them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I listened to, um, I listened to that, uh, podcast that your, um, CEO gave, what's your name? Evica. Um, yeah. About about love, which was corny. Did you listen to this? Yes. It was corny, but it was about loving the people that work with you. And, you know, I think there's something to that. 
It's true. I mean, it's, it does sound corny, but I, I think in a way, if you love the people that you're with, that, that gives them courage. That gives them, you know, that gives them the feeling that they can f- fail and that, you know, that you will honor them when they, when they do a good job. You, you know, you're not going to go, that was my idea, you know. Um, and, and I think that that love, corny as it sounds, is kind of, it's kind of the right approach. You know, I, I, re- I liked that podcast. Well, it's a little, you know, I mean, the beauty of it, I suppose, for me would be that if you really love someone, you, you, you owe them the truth. So when it comes to yeah. creative growth, you really have to tell them that it could be better because you want the best for them. I think if you less less than that, it's probably pretty easy. I think for me, it's a little bit of um, it's a blend of uh, work. Is if it gets too familial, it's like you can't really you can't really you know move your your brother off the off the family you, team. You can't tell them the truth. But I think <laughs> not always. But I think <laughs> of it as like a, but I think of it a little bit like a sports team where. Um, you know, every year you can look at the roster and, and if you have a LeBron on the team, then maybe you, maybe you, you, you have an Anderson Barajow instead of a Shaq because of the, the dynamics and the economics. But for that year, you are going to win together and you're going to make it work and you're going to win with who you have in the locker room. And it's that, you know, could be, because no matter what, even if maybe, and maybe I'm revealing myself to be too pragmatic, but there has to be a moment where you, you just say, we're all in this together and, and we're going to get this together somehow, whether it's a new business pitch or an idea you want to sell or just, or just getting through a tough time in, at the agency. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking to um, my, uh, one of my, my, one of my planners about this and we were talking about the idea of empathy. And I said, I think there are two kinds of empathy. Like there's one kind of empathy, which is obviously like, gee, this person is struggling. They're not having good ideas. They're, not getting paid enough and, you know, you care about them or, you know, um, how do you, and then some, then this guy said to me, but how do you, how do you like square that kind of empathy with having to fire people that aren't good enough or lay people off or, you know, all this other stuff that you do that is really cold and wrecks people's lives and they go home and tell their wife or husband and everybody that has a drink and even the kids are drinking and the dog is drinking. You know, you, um, how do you, how do you get past that event? And, uh, and I said, you know, cause I think there are two kinds of empathy. One is for the individual, but the other is for the group. You have to have empathy for the team. Like you say, the, the sports team that you're, that you're de- dealing with around you. And some year you look at some years, you look at the sports team and go, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, and, like I have to adjust it somehow. Like it's not a good team right now. And, and that means, for the good of the group, for the good of the, the general purpose here, I have to change out her and him and her and do something different, you know? So that's the other kind of empathy that you have to balance with the personal empathy um, all the time, you know? And uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to do. And sometimes, sometimes you don't do it out of fear or laziness or it's not fun. And then you pay the price. <laughs> And you also, it, not only do you pay the price, you sort of lose your sense of whether things are going well. Like you start fooling yourself about whether things are okay. And that's very human to do. You know, you don't want to change in everything. You know, um, I remember Tony LaRusso, the baseball 
manager telling me that sometimes you just have to flip the spread. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's when you go into the locker room after the game and all the food is like laid out for the guys to eat and you're pissed off about how they perform. You just take that table and throw it in the air. And I said, oh, flip the spread. I say, and, you know, sometimes you just have to flip the spread, you know. Yep. And if you don't do it, then the team doesn't generally get better. And you lose your sense of what better is if you're not careful. Well, there's, I mean, it, it's still, I mean, I know you talked about it at the top of our conversation, but the fear creeps in. And I think I, I oftentimes change is hard. And I, I think, you know, um, I, I, I had an interesting revelation at, at one time, which is that um, if you add someone to the team, it, that person may or may not uh, make the whole better. But if someone is is pulling the team down, then a change there is guaranteed to improve things. And usually it's always a case of that person is miscast or the culture is not a fit. But but also anyone I know or that I've met, I think at one time when we were living in San Francisco, there was some layoffs at some local agencies. And I think a bunch of us were all at a bar and someone gave some sage advice, which was uh, to, to someone that had been laid off, which is, uh, I guarantee you in a year, you're going to be so much happier than you were yesterday. Because it's usually not working on both sides, too. That's the other thing is that... I, that's really good advice because you're so right. Usually that person, there's something more they could be doing than they're getting to do or that they're doing in that situation. You're right. It's on both sides. Now, to uh, to flip from, from I, I guess, when, you, when you've got to make changes on the team to hiring, um, I'll admit, I don't, I don't think I have a strong point of view, nor do I think I'm particularly great at hiring. I think I've gotten very lucky. Um, I do think um, at the agency, you and Rich historically, and now Margaret, hire very well. I think you, there's just always tremendous people that I was exposed to and that have come out of there. You know, do you have, is there, do you have a hiring philosophy or is there anything to the way you bring people on? You know, I just try to have the smartest people I can get. I know that sounds like a platitude, but a lot of times you have to look past their book or even past their abrasive personality, um, past what they've accomplished so far in life, um, past whether they have advertising experience to get the smartest people there. Um, and, you know, we've, as you know, we've hired a lot of people that are not necessarily typical advertising types because I think they're good for the typical advertising types to be around. <laughs> and I mean, you, you got to have people that understand advertising to some degree and know how to go in a room and do this and sell something and have it be understood. But it's good to have people that aren't that way too, I think. And, that are just really smart and interesting and going to bring up the general level of appreciation of life and, and art and making art. And it is making art when you do it right. You know, it's like, it's like getting other people to, to join it by thinking that it's commerce, but in the end, it's kind of, it's art. If it's really good, it's art because it, it's like, you know, I've said many times, it's like it's like a stutter step in basketball where you kind of freeze the guy for a minute and then go the other way. And that's what art does. <laughs> you know, it kind of freezes, it freezes their understanding for a minute. And then you do something totally unexpected and they accept it, you know, which is really, really great. It's a great feeling, you know. 
Well, I feel the, you know, your, in your career, you know, you've always uh, at the agency done, um, you know, I know I don't mean to use like a, a word that's almost used so much to lose this meeting, but like disruptive stuff, stuff that stops you in your tracks for the, for the big brands, whether it was, you know, Got Milk, which was everywhere, Saturn, Budweiser, Comcast, HP, it goes on and on, Doritos. Um, there, there's something about, for you, it, it always feels like the, um, the best ideas that you and your agency are behind uh, are exposed to mass audiences. Do you feel like that's getting harder and harder with, you know, as, as things are getting fragmented and as people yeah. are, yeah, yeah. You know, what is the, actually, actually, if you could tell everyone about, you talked about the taxi test. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and then talk about what, what the hell happens to that today? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I called it the taxi test. This was probably 20 years ago when, um, when I got in a cab and the cab driver would ask you, what do you do? And you say you're in advertising. If that guy says, you know what I like is that got milk campaign. Did you do that? And, it, and it's your campaign. That's the greatest feeling imaginable. Or if you even go, they go, what, what do you work on, Chris? And you say, you know, I worked on this. And they go, oh, I like that. That's, that used to be, I think, better than any research anywhere, you know. And, uh, and, and, you, and, and, and sometimes you'd, you'd mention something and they would go, oh, really? I don't like that stuff. You really do that? I mean, that would happen. <laughs> but, but at least, at least they'd know about it. Nowadays, there's, it's really weird because people say, oh, my God, you know, the Internet is such, it, it's such that everything is exposed. Every, all, all of the truths about ourselves are exposed. Everything that, we, everything that we think or do is shared immediately. But yet we have no shared experiences. You know, it's really weird. And, and advertising is, the, you know, big ideas in advertising are partly about shared experiences. And the ability to get the idea in front of a bunch of people. And how do we do that nowadays? Well, you know, the old ways of doing it are really depleted, like you're saying. You know, live TV is the only TV that really guarantees that a commercial is going to work. You know, some kind of sports or the Oscars or something. Um, you know, outdoor is still cool, I think, because it can't be stopped. Howard Gossage hated outdoor, wanted it, wanted it outlawed, the famous advertising guy in San Francisco. And, and a lot of um, community groups have wanted it outlawed, but I think it's one of the last bastions of shared experience. You know, there, there aren't that many of them. Um, things online are so, so difficult um, that you really have to come up with something that catches your imagination and makes you ask, where can I find it? How can I see this thing? So I, I, you know, I, I heard about this idea. I think it's Wyden or somebody that's doing it of having Rob Gronkowski kick a 25-yard field goal before the Super Bowl, and everybody can bet on it on FanDuel or something. I probably got the brand wrong, which shows you that it's not perfect yet, but because um, it could be Caesars or stuff, I don't know. But um, that idea is one of those ideas that made me go. I got to see that. Where, where in the fuck can I see that? I got to see that thing. I mean, and that, that's what a good idea is now, I think, is how do I see it? Not 
Um, not, you know, I couldn't avoid it. It was on the football game. I couldn't avoid it. It was on my favorite TV show. You know, things that are semi-unwelcome in your life. I think we have to come up with ideas that make you go, where do I find that? Where do I see that thing? You know. Well, you're right. It is FanDuel because I, I just read about it, and it is a great idea. There used to be, um, <clears throat> I, forget, I think, uh, I forget who would say it, but someone would say you gotta, you got to make sure that you can explain your idea in a tweet. But, but I think what you're saying, which is really good, is uh, I think you've got to have a tweet-length pitch for your idea that makes someone want to click it. Oh, for yeah. sure. Or even, or even like, no matter how they find it, whether it's something they click on, whether it's something their friend tells them about, whether it's something they read about somewhere, they, they want more. They want, to get, they want to get close to it. They want to see it. I want to actually see this thing and experience it. That's, that's the best thing you can do now. I mean, you know, like when we did, we did a, a thing on the Super Bowl um, three or four years ago with um, – with, with these, it was basically a dance-off between Lil Nas X mm-hmm. and Sam Elliott. And, you know, the commercial was cool and fun to watch, but there was a, an app that was associated with it <clears throat> where you could basically go, you could get this app and shoot yourself doing a bad version of a dance. And it would turn it into a good version of a dance. Like you would look like you actually knew what you were doing. And it was, it, and the connection between those things became so tight that, you know, it was like, um, have you tried that? Have you tried that dance thing? Like everybody wanted to do it first for a week or two after the Super Bowl. And that kind of thing I think is, is really sticky and good. Um, it kind of bridged the best because the, the spot itself was, was great. And then the, and then the, I believe it was a TikTok or the, Instagram activation. The, it was kind back of, end. The perfect, the perfect, uh, confluence confluence um i would encourage everyone listening to look it up on i think it's on ad age creativity because i believe someone from your agency promoted it with a video of you uh doing doing the the dance there is there is that and And i look like i know what i'm doing (laughs) it's 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 really mesmerizing i think i probably watched it a few times you're like uh and i like it just looks like you're in like an office lobby um but anyway if, if not omid we'll put it in the show notes if if if, if you I think, do one I think thing that, yeah. i think it's i think that the app is called sway you might be able to find it that way s-w-a-y um but you know we we basically adapted the app to that commercial in a way i mean the thing the thing existed but nobody knew about it so we kind of we, we branded it and kind of made it into our own thing um we added elements to it to make it our own, but it was basically the sway. And um, I mean, it's kind of. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, I think you got to keep your eyes open for stuff like that. That is that sticky. Um, but is but, it, you know, it's kind of like weren't, weren't, wasn't originally the Bud White, uh, the Bud Light "What's Up Guys." That was a sketch, right? It, it, no, it was originally a film by Charles. Philadelphia, a director from Philadelphia. And um, he, he made he made a film of his buddies in which everybody was calling either, each other up and saying, what's up? And it was just a fun short. And somebody at Budweiser saw that and was like, that's amazing. And um, and appropriated it for, for Bud. And, uh, you know, and just added the line, uh, just drinking a Bud, 
John or something at the end, and that was the that was the idea. You know, but and that wasn't that was not us, by the way. But that's but that's kind of what happened with the sway thing, I suppose. You just you see a thing and you say, "We know what to yeah. do with that," which is also yeah. good. That you know, yeah, and, um, I, and I think I think some agencies are much better at that than we are. You know, I think we're sort of suspicious of buying a song or doing something that other people have already done and putting our logo at the end of it. But um, it, it, it works sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to maybe go to like a more controversial topic or not, um, but creative awards. Uh, when I first walked into Goodby, uh, or see, I can't believe I'm doing this. When I first walked into Goodby Silverstein and Partners San Francisco, because uh, only the only the outsiders could just call it uh but it could be could be silver senior partners um when i walked in the lobby i saw at the time uh shelves just piled with awards um but at the same time my experience at the agency they, they were never chased uh you know none of the awards were chased uh there was can was uh probably one week where everyone had to figure out what they wanted to enter and then i guess it happened um but now it's become so competitive so uh statistically followed gamified political etc what's your relationship with 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 awards these days well i i think i think that you have to take awards seriously because the people that work for you do and so you can't just ignore them um some clients actually care about them not many but some do um, and, and, and those clients, are they the best clients? Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes the best clients don't give a shit about awards. Um, but you, you have to pay attention to them as a, as a creative director and, and know that they're important to your people and allocate money to doing it and so on. Um, the thing that's always deflating to me is, you know, two things. One, it's, they've obviously become big business. And, you know, the uh, amount of the amount of money, the, the number of categories, the amount of money that it takes to enter awards and so on has gone up, you know, so much that that it, it, it's a little bit um, it's watered it down for, for a lot of people. It used to be there were, you know, two or three really big awards worth winning. You know, yep. if you won a Grand Prix at Cannes, it was like the Grand Prix. It wasn't like a Grand Prix. And, um, and, and those things are important. And I think they're still important, but I think less important and less, um, less, less apt to make you famous than they used to be. I mean, the work that's good is still the work that's good. I find that work that's good, you know, filters down to me, whatever it's one. Um, usually it's recommended by people like you that I should see this thing, Margaret, Rich, Somebody tells me, have you seen this? And I go see it. Um, and it doesn't have that much to do with an award. You know, like, was it was it an award? I don't know. I don't even know when I watch it. But I go, you know, I still do that thing, which I think is incredibly important, which is find the person that did this. I want to talk to her, you know. And um, you have to have that mechanism. I don't know if awards are still an important part of that mechanism. They probably figure into it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think early on in my career, 
weirdly, I, I learned to not trust the things that won awards because many times the things that I thought were the best things that we did in a year, the weirdest things, the things that pushed the envelope, that made mistakes that other people wouldn't dare to even try to make, didn't win awards. So, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I sort of started to distrust them as a barometer of edginess, you know, for me. But as I say, you can't ignore them. Yep. Um, and in terms of the overall industry, you know, you've been at this a long time. You know, the agency is, you know, always relevant, keeps reinventing itself. Um, you know, what keeps you interested uh, on a given year? Um, because I've got to imagine even the change probably has its patterns now. And I've got to imagine there's not a client comment that's going to really throw you for a loop these days that you haven't heard 10 times before. Where do you, so where do you, where do you find the freshness in, in, in your routine at this point? Um, well, you know, two places. One is, I think, I think it was, uh, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's last name. Um, the founder of, of Intel said, um, that his biggest fear was waking up one morning and being totally irrelevant. And I think that fear is, drives me a little bit, certainly drives Rich. Rich sits around worrying about being irrelevant all the time, <laughs> which makes him irrelevant. <laughs> but but, but I, I, um, I, I worry about it too. I don't worry about it in terms of, you know, fighting death or anything but but i worry about it in terms of uh fun i mean if if what we do isn't relevant and nobody knows about it i think a lot of the fun goes out of the business for me and that i, I love making things that people talk about that they go holy shit have you seen that thing or you know that that thing is something i'm going to recommend to my friends I still love that feeling. I love, I love going to a cocktail party and having people know something that we did and, um, you know, putting it, put it a dent in people's head. It's harder to do that now, like you were saying, but it's still the, it's the heroin of the business for me. I mean, I, I love doing that. I, I judge ideas really on the basis of would anybody talk about it? And I also do that test that I think I've probably told you about, which is, you know, if you come up with something and you think that your mom or dad or your best friend or your cousin or the guy that you met at school could come up with it, then don't do it. Do something that, like, blows people's minds. You know, if they if they go, oh, yeah, I could come up with that. That's, it's not interesting. You really want it to be something that they go, Chris is really cool. He came up with this crazy idea. You know, that's what you want. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's the um, it's that excavation process that I think maybe the longer you're doing what you do, you can bypass it faster. But you certainly see as people as people's careers evolve, you know that the the first rounds get better. Then really, when someone is is really in the matrix, it's it's the first time you sit with them. They've got a bunch of stuff that challenges you. I think actually, you know, I also think you and Rich were you know, talk about, you know, creating a safe space. I th think you guys particularly love to see ideas that may be so incredibly wrong that you had to consider them <laughs> if there was merits. <laughs> but I, I, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I think there was that. I love that. Just feeling. hearing it. <laughs> you know, it, it's like I, I think you guys. I think you guys really wanted to see stuff that 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 you wondered if you would have your right minds going for it. You know, and I think that I think we knew we had a good meeting is if we made you think about it, even if eventually it was clearly wrong. <laughs> like at least, well, at least you know. And I love stuff like that, you know, things that just, you know, people have never done before, to, you know, to come up with, come up with a fake mark. Okay, so you probably remember this campaign. We came up with a fake marketing director for Rolling Rock Beard. The guy didn't exist, but he went on TV and apologized for ads that they had done. The ads had never really happened. Things like that, I think, are so crazy. But I just mm-hmm. love the chutzpah of doing them, you know, figuring out a way to do them. Which is another thing, you talk about the matrix, and that is to get the matrix to work, if you have an idea that's that crazy and you love it that much, you, you have to go all over all over Robin Hood's barn to sell it. You know, you've got to make sure that it sells. Like, it's so easy to have a big pail of water that you have to get over to the house from the well and you just spill it all the way to the house until it's gone. <laughs> People change the idea. They fuck with it. You know, get to do it. I mean, I I have learned to, like, do whatever it takes. You know, talk to people. Go to – if this client won't buy it, go talk to the client next to her and talk to the client next to him. And when she – and then finally get to – if you have to, go to the CEO, you know, and find a way to say, hey, Chris, you know, we've been – doing this crazy thing i think it's really controversial and people are understandably upset about it but it's a pretty good idea listen you know if you can if you can get to that stage with somebody higher up in the company Mm -hmm. do it you know you just sometimes you have to do it um in in those relationships you know sometimes it's totally inappropriate to do it but many times it's not you know it's fine if it if it gets as long as you're willing to get shot down, you know, graciously. Getting shot down graciously is really important. It, it actually buys you a chance to do something weirder next time. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a secret. Well, it's all the, you know, the, uh, the callus that forms in a, in, a, in a creative advertising life, the fear of rejection is, re- is really no fear at all. <laughs> and it's, if anything... <laughs> You know how to do it in a charming enough way that the CEO will like you, even if even if she doesn't want to uh, doesn't yeah. want to partake. I don't so know if you remember the the other uh, when when the team had that crazy Rolling Rock idea. It was a twofer, and I worked on the other idea, which was for I, I doubt you'd remember it, but it was for Grolsch beer, and it was the whole concept was that um, uh, global warming if it continued would threaten low-lying Holland. Uh, no, I remember that idea. And so our tagline was Grolsch worth saving the world for. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> I do believe you went there and presented that. So I mean, I love that. I love it even now. And then See, you got, but uh, there, was, there was a lot of fun stuff. There was, that's what I loved about my time there is if, if, if it was on strategy to an extent, or if it was just interesting and, and, and right for the brand, it, whether or not it would sell or get made, who knows, but it was on, you know, and that, that made me feel pretty great about going to work every day. Cause if you believe that the place you work is going to champion thinking that gets you excited, uh, you know, really at the end of the day, whatever percentage of it gets bought or made kind of doesn't matter because the, 
it's so satisfying to, to be in a culture like that. Yeah, and it, 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 it engenders more good work if you have the faith that your people around you will support it, I think. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I you know, when I first got into advertising, I worked in a, in a place that clearly did not have that support. And, uh, you know, and I, I, um, I really worked hard to get it for myself, you know, like to kind of go have secret meetings with the clients where I told them maybe you should do this crazy thing that my creative director kind of killed off, but, you know, I would kind of re reintroduce it, insinuate it over beers or something, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, good ideas. A naughtiness in service of good ideas is not, is no vice, as Barry Goldwater might say. And uh, <laughs> and I think uh, going out and selling at your client over beers is, uh, is true of fantastic Mr. Fox behavior. It is, have, right? You have to you have to lock horns and fight publicly. <laughs> you just slide it in. Um, <laughs> well, listen, Jeff, I'm uh, I, I feel uh, so fortunate to have taken an hour of your time, and I'm I'm sure everyone listening will, will enjoy that as much as I did. But thanks, uh, thank you so much for for doing this. Oh, it was really fun. It was great to see you again, and um, congratulations on how you how are you killing it out there. Very proud of you. It's cool. Thank you, sir. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah, you're doing great. It's awesome. Um, well, please uh, give best to Rich Silverstein. If you want to print out a picture of my face or something and see if see if it rings any bells. Yeah. Here, uh, well, I'll take a picture of you now. <laughs> I love. I love um, the. There's no slight in Rich not remembering you when he sees you because it's almost the mark. It's better than recognition. Yeah. You know, that's worked. It's true. Uh, for Rich, well, has, has their story of, uh, you know, him thinking you're an insurance salesman or something, you know, a year after you. Uh, well, a few years ago, after you left, somebody did a really cruel Christmas video with him where they put pictures up of employees and asked if he could say who the, what their name was. <laughs> And this included people who had worked there for 20 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was, it was like, and he, you'd think he, you almost thought he was acting because sometimes he would go, um, finance. She's the, 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 the my, my, my timesheets. She, she's, um, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. It was um, hilarious. Mike, uh, I, I always love Mike McKay. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. writers, and yeah. I guess he, after his long run, he left and he went to Saatchi, LA. And like about three months later, he was at a Starbucks in Marin, and Rich, you know, walked in wheeling his bike, and he just went up to him and said, "Hey, Mike, I haven't seen you in a while. You've been on, you've been in LA." <laughs> <laughs> just, he just didn't. Well, I've had that just, happen. Yeah. I've had I've had that happen because it, it's funny because people people leave and then they come back and freelance about five years later and I think they still work there. I'm like, <laughs> you know, hey Chris, let's talk about that thing that you thought last and, and you'd be like, no, that was five years ago. <laughs> it runs together a bit. I mean, you know, it's we've had thousands of people go through there and I've been so lucky to to. I think it's a it's a it's a love factor, frankly. I, I've been so lucky to have so many really talented, wonderful people there that do things that I often get credit for, which is great. Um, 
that that I you know I I, I want to believe they're still there. I really do. I think secretly I hope they are. That sounds really stupid, but I really secretly hope they are. And when I find out that they're not, and they're at another agency, I'm I still love it. I think it's cool. I went to a. You, you don't have to put this in the t- podcast, but I went. I went to Dan Wyden's um, memorial up in Portland, which they only invited people from Wyden and Kennedy, but they asked me to speak at it, which was fun. And um, so I, I did a naughty speech and, um, and said things that were kind of shocking, but I thought it was fun to do. <laughs> I told them how, great, how, how their really good work pissed us off. But then when, when we saw something that really wasn't that great, we kind of celebrated <laughs> things like that. Um, but uh, the, the crowd, they invited everybody who had ever worked at Wyden Kennedy. So all you had to do was prove that you would work there. And they had, they had security at the door that strictly enforced this. Like they really would check like company records to find out and, um, and and I was just really proud and happy about all the people that I that I saw there that used to work at our place, you know. And I felt like they were still doing so in some way, you know. It's like it's bigger than just one agency. After a while, you just want to see the effect that all these people can have on the world, which is a great feeling. All right, man. All right, Get well, to work. thanks a ton. Uh- yeah. <laughs> Thank you, boss. Please don't, forget, please don't be a stranger. Okay, thanks to my first ever guest host and his guest. It is dazzling how wise and insightful Jeff Goodby is. And frankly, as someone who took about 60 episodes to get the hang of this podcasting thing, it's fucking annoying how flawless Chris was on just his first try, which was, of course, to be expected. Okay, I hope... You dig the new format, many more epic pairings to come this year. Thank you to Andrew Feltenstein and the crew at Beacon Street Music for producing this show. Please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Let us know your feedback on LinkedIn. Until we talk again, peace. Let them clap for show. Let it wrap your resistance. May trap unknowns. Release, fill your heart. Speak, balance flowing.